payments on your invoices? How do we help you get paid faster and take a transaction charge? How do we help you pay your employees or contractors? And there's many, many things that are in the pipeline that we're building to help them manage their cash flow more effectively and drive revenue for the business through the process. Do you want to impact the world and still turn a profit? Then you're in the right place. Welcome to Growth Everywhere. This is the show where you'll find real conversations with real entrepreneurs. They'll share everything from their biggest struggle to the exact strategies they use on a daily basis. So if you're ready for a value-packed interview, listen on. Here's your host, Eric Sue. Before we jump into today's interview, if you guys could leave a review and a rating and also subscribe as well, that would be a huge help to the podcast. So if you actually enjoy the content and you'd like to hear more of it, please support us by leaving us a review and subscribe to the podcast as well. Thanks so much. Okay, everyone. Today we have Kirk Simpson, who is the CEO and co-founder of Wave, which offers free invoicing and accounting software with credit card processing and payroll services. Kirk has been so gracious to actually give this a second round because I had some technical difficulties difficulties on my side. But Kirk, welcome to the show. Thanks. Really happy to be here. Yeah. So, you know, we, we were kind of talking a little bit about uh, at the very beginning. What I like to do is get a little bit about your background and kind of what your story is. So uh, whatever version you'd like to give, go for it. Sure. So um, Wave came about in mid-2010, end of 2010, beginning of 2011. Myself and my co-founder, James Lockery, started the business. I had been a multi-time entrepreneur before and really felt the pain of the fact that most small business owners hate everything to do with accounting, you know, bookkeeping, payroll, that kind of stuff. It just gets in the way of what they're passionate about doing. And that was the case for me. My co-founder, James, who had been a longtime friend, had grown up in a small business tax prep company all the way to becoming the CTO. He knew what small business owners needed from a platform like Wave. So we wanted to go after this space. It's been uh, really rewarding. There's nothing like serving small businesses. They're the backbone of the economy and, and also just a great group of people who are trying to be you know, pioneers in what they do. And it's, it's a great audience to serve. Love it. Okay. And be, before we were talking about how, you know, you eventually, I mean, your, your story in the beginning, you started a business at age 23 and started another one at 30. And then uh, that led you up to where Wave is now. So uh, the point of that one was just kind of telling everyone, communicating with everyone that, look, you know, this whole entrepreneurship game, it's never really linear. And it's the experiences that take you to where you are. And um, I do want to talk about Wave and kind of you know, how you guys make money right now. Like, so if I'm a small business looking for kind of, you know, a, invoicing software, accounting help, uh, you know, how does it work exactly? Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, your first point of the entrepreneurial journey is, uh, is not a direct line. I mean, you know that firsthand and so do I. And, and I do think, you know, the culture puts, a, especially in tech, puts a, a ton of value on, you know, doing it when you're young and, and this is the best time and all those kinds of things. And there's a lot of truth to that. I mean, just quite quite frankly, your amount of energy is much higher. Your, you know, the fact that you oftentimes won't have, you know, as robust family commitments as you do when you're older. All of those are are really good things. But on the flip side, you know, as you do get a little bit older and in some ways wiser, you've got more to pull on in terms of your own experiences. You also have generally have a wider ecosystem of contacts in your network that you can call on for great advice and that kind of stuff. So 
my journey has been, you know, as you said, started a couple before of sort of lightweight success. And it really wasn't until I was, I guess, around 35, 36, uh, with my wife pregnant with our third child that, <laughs> you know, we started Wave and have had some success. So it's been great. In terms of the business model of Wave, you referenced the fact that we're very unique in that we give away the invoicing and accounting software to our customers 100% for free with no paywalls. And our reason for that is we're really passionate about the fact that, you know, 71% of all small businesses are going to fail if they fail will be because of poor financial management. And meanwhile, you look around and you see 50 to 60% of these folks using spreadsheets, shoeboxes, Word docs, all that kind of stuff. And it's not a good way to run the small business. And anybody who, who, who has tried to sell into this what some would describe as micro small businesses, we would, you know, we would say zero to nine employees know that it's, it's really, really hard to get them off the sidelines into your software. And so we thought giving it away for free was going to help them with their financial sophistication and also was a good way of acquiring a lot of these small business owners onto the platform, you know, at scale in a cost efficient way. To further answer your question, how do we then make money? We are essentially embedding more and more financial services products into the platform. So today, think of that as payments on your invoices. How do we help you get paid faster and take a transaction charge? How do we help you pay your employees or contractors? And there's many, many things that are in the pipeline that we're building to help them manage their cash flow more effectively and drive revenue for the business through the process. Love it. Okay. And I, I think, I mean, you know, I'm trying to, so Wave started in 2010, 2011. I mean, was this model conceived from the very beginning or did you, did you have to make some big adjustments along the way? So we always knew we wanted to go free. We were heavily influenced by what Mint was doing on the personal finance side. I think they were really innovative in pioneering a new model. If you think pre-Mint, it was Quicken. And I mean, you took, you only had the very hardcore, you know, people who were into personal budgeting using that tool. And what Mint did was brought it to the masses and make it easy for people to get insights into what was happening in their personal finance. They made it free and they monetized by using the data to offer you new credit cards or other insurance products, et cetera based on your individual profile. We thought that was really, really interesting, but we thought that small businesses were even more ripe for that model because of the fact that you can drop off, and most people do in terms of caring about their personal finance, budgeting, et cetera. People are pretty lazy about that, but small business owners have a tax event either quarterly or at the end of the year where they have to be ready. They have to be up to date in some capacity for taxes. And so we thought that model was even more suitable for small business. That said, we believed that what we could do was similar to Mint, but with differences monetized based on the data. What we found is that there was an even better model, which is this, you know, how is software and banking coming together? And essentially to be a financial services layer within the software itself, and that that would be much more scalable and much more interesting over time. And I think that's proven out. Got it. Love it. Yeah. So I think with a with a product like this, I mean, you know, a bunch of small businesses to start. The ones that do succeed, I imagine Wave is pretty sticky because the switching costs are too big to have to move over somewhere else. And plus you guys are adding all these value add services, right? So 
you know, what we had a guy on the podcast uh, maybe a couple of years ago, Tomas Tunguz uh, from Breadpoint Ventures, and we were talking a lot about freemium. And uh, he was just saying, look, you know, if you're going to do freemium, you've got to have a huge volume of users and only, you know, maybe five or 10% will upgrade. You know, that's, he's like, it's a risky, um, it's a risky proposition. Um, how did you guys feel about that? Yeah. So first of all, I mean, love everything that Thomas puts out. Um, and I, I think he's right. Certainly we learned through the process of, you know, the data slash ad slash affiliate sort of market that, the amount of scale that we would need in order to make that into a really interesting business was likely going to be challenging. Mm -hmm. I think when you start to talk about banking lifetime values versus ad lifetime values, advertising lifetime values, I mean, you're talking about a completely different equation. And so there, I think the denominator doesn't have to be as big. And so, you know, that's essentially what we're seeing is first of all, with a free model, yes, you should be able to, and you must attract you know, a lot more customers through that process. And I think we've really proven that out. But you also have to have a a monetization plan that isn't bringing in, you know, two or three dollars per active business, but is is has the capability of, of bringing in far more, unless you're talking about the consumer space where you could bring in, you know, millions and millions of users. If you're going after small business, and you've got a model that's only driving a couple dollars a month of, of revenue, that's going to be problematic. Thankfully, we found a model where the you know average revenue per user on a monthly basis is just much, much higher. Right. And so for this model, I mean, it, it sounds amazing. How long did it take you to, from the start of the business to eventually prove out that this equation works? You know, one would argue we're still proving it out at scale, but I would say probably 2014, 15, we really started to see signs of it moving in the right direction. And then we've continued to accelerate from there. Love it. And is there, I mean, is there any sweet spot for you, small businesses that are maybe 500K to $1 million in revenue is is like, what do you target? Yeah, we, we do it based on sort of three factors. One is, you know, typically we say zero to nine employees is the sweet spot. Most people don't know 95% of all businesses in the U.S. are in that size. Yep. Uh, we would further segment by 300000 to a million dollars of revenue would again be a sweet spot. And then the final component is uh, service-based businesses. So 87% of all businesses in the U.S. are service-based businesses, meaning that they're not you know, pro- they're not product sellers, they're not retail locations. They are essentially doing business through invoicing primarily. And again, that's our sweet spot. So it's the sort of Venn diagram of those three things. Got it. Cool. So if you walk me through how it is if I'm signing up. Okay. So let's say I'm a small business owner. I'm signing up. I have nine employees doing about 500 grand in revenue. I got your free stuff already. I'm already, I love Wave. I'm entrenched with it. Um, what other stuff can I add? And then I guess we can just go from there first. Yeah. So um, when you're sending out your invoices, you can use us very seamlessly as your merchant account, meaning that your customers can then pay you via credit card or bank to bank payments on that invoice. And I think, you know, the important thing to realize is that why would our customer want to do that through us versus somebody else? It's because, you know, the experience of doing it is I create an invoice, I send it out to my customers seamlessly through the, the through the software. Obviously the software tracks all of that, allows you to see, you know, send reminders if they haven't paid on time or those kinds of things. 
but also, you know, when they get that email, they go to the site and they can, you know, PDF or print the invoice, but they can also pay it right there. As soon as they pay it, everything in Wave automatically, you know, updates itself for you. So the invoice is marked as paid, but not only that, all the accounting is brought up to date. So our goal is to essentially remove all the friction for the small business owner. How do we make invoicing essentially invisible for you over time? And the more you use of our services, the more that we can do that. So if you're using us for payments, we do it. If you're using us for paying your employees uh, through WAVE, we do all of the accounting, et cetera, for you. If you're using us to pay your contractors, we do all of that. And more and more, we will layer on additional products like that where you do the things that you normally do and the system you know does the rest for you and that that's really the goal uh, you know yesterday actually I was recording a marketing school with my, my my co-host and then we're just talking about you know content marketing that actually works and now people don't think of it this way but you know when when what Kirk is talking about with a freemium product it's product led growth but we also consider that a form of content marketing because what you do is you've built such a moat around you know t- the technology around the product it, it's not easy for people to copy once people come in they use it it's, it's I'd argue it's more valuable than just one piece of content because they're coming back over and over and then they're sticky and then what happens there is that you've built so much goodwill that they're willing to upgrade to whatever else you have and it's, it's much more seamless um, less friction kind of to your point so I, I think it's really genius that you guys have taken this product-led approach. Yeah, I appreciate it. It's, um, it's not for everyone and it's not for the faint of heart, but, um, but it's been great. And I think, you know, one of the interesting things is, is, you know, a business at this scale that doesn't have a single sales rep that sells to small businesses or, or businesses in general. And, you know, that's been fun because to your point, it's just a bunch of experimentation on, how do you get that value proposition to your customers in explained in a way that that gets them off the sidelines is is a, a big challenge but also really really fun love it so you know in, in terms of numbers around the business in terms of customers revenues anything like that what can you share around numbers just to give an idea of the scale that you guys are at right now yeah um well we've signed up close to 4 million small businesses and you know, on an every month basis, we'd have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of active businesses on the platform. And that's probably as deep as I want to go on that front. Perfect. We'll just leave that there. Now, when you first started, uh, how did you go about acquiring, let's just say, your first thousand customers? A lot of hand-to-hand combat at the beginning. But I will tell you a funny story of, of uh, you know, like a lot of startups, I think, during those early days, we would get an email to our inboxes when someone signed up for Wave. And so you're watching that and, you know, first couple of days, whatever, it's like two and then five and then 10, et cetera, et cetera. And, mm-hmm. and really, it was just trying to spread the word within the Toronto ecosystem first, such that we could find those first, you know, as you say, 100, then 500, then 1,000 users. And then what happened is, and I think it was in April 2011, uh, we had seen, you know, the development of the Google Chrome marketplace, and it was brand new. And one of the developers uh, had emailed us and said, "Listen, I think this thing, you know, has some legs. I want to spend a day making an integration between Wave and the Google Chrome Store, mm. and it's going to cost me five bucks to do it. Are we okay with that?" <laughs> and we're like, "Yeah, yeah, we could do that." So. 
he, he did it over a day, made the integration, you know, signups continued to sort of grow at that kind of rate. And then one morning, and I'll always remember this, I went downstairs Saturday morning, I've got young kids, I'm juggling them, trying to make coffee, open up my laptop and refresh my email and like reams and reams and reams of these signup emails. And I was like, what the heck is going on? And it turns out that the editor of the Google Chrome store had chosen us and featured us and literally got, we went from whatever the number was, 10 or 20 a day up into the sort of 100 to 150 a day and was very, very steady. So, so much of this is, you know, luck. And if it wasn't for that break, to be honest, I'm honestly not sure whether or not we'd be where we are because the A round uh, really came together a lot based on the fact that we had proven out distribution. Right. Well, the harder you work, the luckier you get, right? There we go. Yeah, we, we had something similar happen. Uh, uh, the story I referred to quite a bit when I was at a company called Treehouse a long time ago. Great product, great people. And, uh, you know, just bet the entire budget on YouTube advertising and then the customers just kept flowing. And there's often like, but you don't figure out that one thing until you keep working towards it. So That's right. thank you for sharing that. Now, in terms of what's working well for you guys today, I obviously, you know, there's the typical kind of uh, large ad platforms out there. Is there anything else you do that's working well? Yeah, I, I think the um, the unique thing about Wave in this space has been, you know, just an incredibly strong organic funnel. So, you know, m- most of the the large amount of signups that we get every month come to us through organic channels. I think the thing that we did there that worked really well was we had a sense for the fact that small business owners, you know, when they're looking for a software like ours are not looking for an overall ecosystem. They're certainly not looking for an ERP. What they're looking for in that moment is an individual pain point that they're having and trying to solve it. So when they get their first customer, they're kind of like, okay, well, now I got to invoice that customer and I got to find an invoicing solution as my problem right now. And I don't want to know about anything else. I just want to solve that problem. Same with, you know, during tax season, it's all about bookkeeping and getting on top of your books so that you're ready for tax. And so very early on, what we did is we segmented the, the public site into multiple different product pages. And we got really, really good about sending our traffic to those individual product pages. Mm. Now, this has become pretty common practice. But in 2012 and 13, in our space, we were sort of pioneering this. And we got really, really good at conversion on those pages to the point where we were seeing about 26% conversion of anybody landing on that page would sign up for our site, good. for our app. And so um, I think that was one of the the best things that we did uh, very early on was just took the long game on SEO, saw some real success there and really doubled down on doing smart things around ensuring that on a, those individual pain point products, we were you know top of mind. Love it. Okay, great. So a couple more questions from my side as we work towards wrapping up. So you talked about the struggles, kind of you know starting Wave and then getting to where you're at. I mean, you, you even talked about kind of the you know without the the Google uh, App Store, you know things might have been more of a struggle. So maybe you can share one more big kind of moment or one moment where you thought everything was gonna just explode, <laughs> like fill up in flames. <laughs> the negative one. Yeah, I I think, listen, like we made a couple of key strategic errors. Number one is anybody who's looking at, uh, and I should have said this before when we were talking about free, but anybody who's thinking about, you know, leveraging free or freemium or whatever you want to call it and whatever your model, you know, is set up to do, 
needs to understand that free is an amazing marketing tactic. It's a really crummy product tactic. And what I mean by that is if you are free and the best or free and, you know, amongst the best product, like you'll get explosive growth. If you're relying on free to overcome product efficiencies, that's a really bad place to be because you'll get lots of kicks at the can, but you just won't retain. And so I think, you know, we weren't, we didn't understand that distinction well enough. And so that led to some really, you know, challenging moments. The other thing that I think we did uh, is we went too broad too fast. And so none of the individual products were as good as they needed to be um, because we went too broad with the ecosystem too quickly. We always had this really big, great grand vision. Um, but I think we had, we, if we did it again, I would execute it differently in terms of making sure that those individual point solutions are, you know, world class before moving to the next one, especially with at the time. And even today, one would argue a pretty small team in comparison to the ground we're covering. So I think those were two of the big mistakes that we had that I would do differently. And I think we've spent the last couple of years really heads down, you know, making sure that we don't make those mistakes again and that we're overcoming that. Love it. Thank you for sharing that. What is one new tool? It could be for business or personally for yourself. Uh, what's one new tool that could, could be an app or something physical too that you've added in the last year that's added a lot of value to you? Well, what's top of mind for me right now is is uh, Headspace. So okay. I'm using the app to try and get some uh, some peace during the day. I'm, I'm not as good as I need to be on... Uh, on using it every day, but I'm, I'm giving it a shot. And, and so far it's proving interesting. Cool. And when do you usually do it? I'm trying to do it in the afternoon, kind of after lunch before kind of the afternoon meeting start. That's what I'm aiming for. Cool. So there's a break between the craziness. That's right. <laughs> All right. What is <laughs> one must read book you'd recommend to everyone? So I'm going to go a little off the beaten path with a book called uh, Lead by Greatness by David Lappin. He's actually my exec coach and uh, I'm a big fan of his book, but I will add quickly one other, which is Grit by Angela Duckworth. Big fan of that book and a big believer in the power of grit. Great. Well, you actually just sprouted two more questions. Do you have a little more time? Sure. All right. So you talked about executive coach. Can you tell people what that means exactly and kind of what this person's done for you? Yeah, I think, you know, I'll I'll say what it means for me. I think everybody's experience will be different. But for me, quite frankly, you know, David is a mixture of uh, a psychologist for me and a, you know, performance enhancer. And and what I mean by that is, you know, just somebody that you can be 1000% honest with uh, and transparent with about what you're going through is a cathartic process unto itself. And when you've got somebody who's, you know, both a good listener and, you know, is able to interject pieces of wisdom that you, you know, might not be considering at the time, it's hugely valuable. And then, of course, somebody who's got a background like he has in being a, you know, Fortune 500 sort of consultant brings a lot of expertise just in terms of overall you know, talent management and, and organizational structure and those kinds of things. So it's a really interesting hybrid of those two things. And, and generally what I find is that he gives me new perspectives to think about. And also he ensures that, you know, I'm really sort of living my purpose, meaning that I'm leveraging the strengths that I have. I'm playing in the areas where I should be playing and I'm not playing in the areas where 
quite frankly, there are people that are much, much better than me. And so that's been, that's been sort of the breakthrough for me with him. Love it. And how, did, how does one go about finding an executive coach? Like if someone wanted, would someone go to a website? Like what, where would they go? Wow. I don't know the answer to that, but I would say that, you know, one of the benefits of being, as I mentioned before, an older entrepreneur is that I've got a pretty wide network and I really sort of went across my network, asked what experience they'd had with executive coaches, any they might, might, might recommend, and then, you know, try and find the right one. I actually sat with a couple and I just found that I used my intuition into who I believed I would have the deepest relationship with, the ability to be a thousand percent honest and somebody who could, you know, give me the insight that I mentioned before. Awesome. That's great insight. Thank you so much for doing this, Kirk. What is the best way for people to find you online? Probably Twitter handle at TK Simpson or obviously, you know, sign up for Wave. That would be a, a great way to know about, you know, us and our, our life's work. All right, Kirk. Thanks so much for doing this. <laughs> All right. Great to, uh, great to be on. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to this episode of Growth Everywhere. If you loved what you heard, be sure to head back to growtheverywhere.com for today's show notes and a ton of additional resources. But before you go, hit the subscribe button to avoid missing out on next week's value-packed interview. Enjoy the rest of your week and remember to take action and continue growing.